word, and before we get into the sermon, I just want to pray over us. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity to stand and speak for you. I'm so humbled by the opportunity every time I come in here, God, and and I see what you've done, and I see uh, all that you are doing, and, and I think for just a second that I get to do something as amazing as preach the Word of God to people who I love and who I care about, people who I see growing and gaining momentum in the things of the Lord, and I see the power of the Holy Spirit being made manifest all the time. I see gifts coming to the surface. I see not only gifts coming to the surface that I recognize, but that they recognize, and I see passion and fire in their eyes, and I see them wanting to go and do, God, and and I, I hear them saying, Lord, Lord, here am I, send me. And I'm so grateful that I get to be a small part of this. I pray, God, that today would be no different, that your word would go forward and it would draw all people to you. God, I pray that your word would go forward and it would slice through all the way down to the heart, all the way to the inward most parts, and that you would do a work inside of us, God. For those who don't know you, I pray that they would be quickened and awakened to life, God. For those that know you, I pray that they would be pushed and motivated, God, that they would be encouraged and that they would be uh, fanned and and, and the flame would, would absolutely explode. God, help us to see you today, because that's the only thing that's going to move us. We pray it all in Jesus' name, the only name given under heaven by which man can be saved, by which anything can get done. We pray in your most precious and holy name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, today we're going to dive into the gift of prophecy. Okay, so we've been looking at all the gifts, and uh, I've had a a lot of feedback, a lot of good feedback on uh, the uh, current series or uh, sequences of 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 sermons that we're going through pertaining to the gifts. And we kind of did a catch-all sermon uh, on the gifts in general. Do the uh, do the supernatural, more supernatural, the more kind of obvious gifts? Do they still exist? Do they? Do we still uh, do we still acknowledge those? those and or do we deny them and I think that from the scriptures at least my position is is that you know I, I maybe I haven't seen every gift operate maybe it's true that you've never seen every gift operate but I can find in the scriptures no ground to say that these gifts don't exist anymore I just can't find it and so while maybe I've never been used to miraculously heal someone in a way that that you could not explain it any other way I can't say that that doesn't happen because that would be saying something that the Bible doesn't say and as a matter of fact Paul expressly says do not deny the speaking in tongues. So uh, a lot of people are weary of these. A lot of people are scared of them. A lot of people are really make them really nervous. And I got to admit, sometimes it makes me nervous too, because they've been abused so much, right? They've been, they've been widely abused. And you see people, you know, coming up on stage and the preacher's like, bam, and they hit the ground. You know what? I want to know, I want to see, and I haven't seen it yet. I want to see the one that it wasn't their time to be healed, God didn't, didn't decide for them to be healed right then. He just smacks the guy in the forehead, and the guy's like, what'd you do that for? You know? I want to see, because you can't get healed, and you can't heal unless God wills for that healing to happen, right? It's all in God's timing. And those, those, those gifts don't manifest out of what we desire. Not by the will of the flesh that any man might boast, but by the will of God. And it's according to how God blesses and how God gifts that you might be able to do any of that. Whether it's the supernatural, obvious gifts like speaking in tongues, healing miracles, and all those things, or whether it's teaching, 
Okay, evangelism, helps, uh, service, all of these gifts must be founded on love and done out of the will of God and out of our, out of our obedience to the Lord. So if the Lord doesn't say to do it, you don't do it. And if the Lord says do it, you do it. And it's not you doing it, it's the Lord doing it through you. So we would stand in a place that says plausible but cautious. We believe the gifts still exist, can't find in the scriptures that they've stopped. But at the same time, we're very cautious because they've been abused so much. But we want to employ those gifts as much as possible when the time is right and when it's according to the Word of God because we understand that in Ephesians 4 and several other places in the Scripture, it says that God gave gifts for the equipping of the church, for the building up of the church, for the work of the ministry outside of the church so that the church would be able to grow up like it should and be mature and steadfast and find its, find its fullness in Jesus Christ. So we look looked a couple of weeks ago at the gift of apostle, and we looked and we made a distinction between uh, the original 12 apostles and those apostles that would come after that. And we said that there is a distinction. I can't get back into that. I've got a copy of the sermon out here if you'd like to have it, if you, hadn't, if you didn't get to hear that sermon. But what we established was is that the original uh, apostles, they carried a certain type of authority that can't be found in an apostle today or someone with the gift of apostle. And what I had stated was, and, and I think founded fairly well on the scriptures, is that the, the office of apostle is closed, meaning that those that would claim the authority of God in such a way that it could be written and, and, and written down and, and, and made part of the canon, the word of God, it's ceased. That's, that's not, it's not that way anymore. We know that from the word of God because we can't add to or take away from the Bible. But we do understand then that we see other apostles that didn't have that type of authority that were called apostles. We see Paul talking to several people where the gift of apostleship was to be employed. And, and we know that this is type of a, a general contractor type of mentality. They've got a little bit of each gift and they're able to recognize gifts. They're able to empower people and send them. And, and they are kind of builders in the church. So they would go into a place and they would say, I see a work needs to be done here and I can't not do it. God's called me to this. Now, I need to gather to me uh, all of these different types of gifts so that we can be one Christ and the body of Christ would move forward. Okay, So we established that the office, of Christ, the office of apostle had ceased, but the gift of apostle, we uh, agree that it is still continuing to this day, but it is different from the original office of apostle. Now, once that we've established all of that, what I want to do today is I want to talk about the gift of prophecy. Uh, several questions came out about this last week when we did our Q&A, and a very good questions. So questions such as, uh, can prophecy be wrong? Today, can, can prophecy be wrong? We'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, what part should prophecy play in the church? Why is it that so many churches deny the gift of prophecy and it doesn't operate within the church? And what does that mean for those churches? Because my question is, if in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, all of these places, if they say that Christ gave gifts to men, he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, if it says that, then if we only say, well, I know that it says that he gifted some for apostleship, I know it says that he gifted some with a prophetic type gifting, uh, and then it says the others, but really... I just I don't think I'm going to pay any attention to the apostolic gifting and the prophetic gifting. I'm just going to focus on the evangelistic, the shepherd, and the teacher. What do you think happens? Do you think we kind of kind of limp around in circles? Do you think that the body is kind of made uh, a little less efficient? 
Uh, it would kind of be like an equation. I'm, this is not my words, but it's the Bible. In, in, in all of these uh, sections, he talks about the oneness of the body, okay? And he talks about how each person in the body is equipped in different ways according to the measure of God's grace and appointed according to how God would do it as God sees fit, right? And so if each one of us have a job in the body and we're gifted in different ways and sort of like some of us are noses and some of us are ears, some of us are eyes and some of us are thumbs, some of us are big toes and some of us are pinky toes, right? Now, we understand that all of those have a function and that they're all important to the body. And if you don't have uh, your thumbs, you really have to work a lot harder and you don't eat quite as well until you learn, right? So we'd be skinny. I would be skinny. Right now I've got thumbs and I'm working them, baby, right? <laughs> right? So, but if we didn't have thumbs, if we didn't have hands, right? If we didn't have hands, then, you know, we would have to eat in a different way, right? Right? So... I think that a lot of the times what's happening here is, is that, and I think you see it in different ways. I don't have time to get into all that. But when you have someone, if you, when you have a church that says, no, these giftings do not exist anymore. We will not employ them. We will not use them. We will not even think about them. Then I think that you sever a part of the body that could have been useful for some things. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but I don't think that that's heretical. I just think it's not smart. Okay, because you can still come to know the Lord through the preaching of the word, and you don't have to have a prophetic word, right? But I think that you miss a lot of what God would have for you, and you can't reach as far if you don't employ and do what the Bible says. And I think if you know it and you don't do it, it's just straight-up disobedience. Amen? So a lot of times we get stuck because of our traditions and our comfort. My question to you is, when you come to a place in the Bible, and you don't really understand it. It doesn't make you feel good inside because of things that you previously believed. And this may be some of you today as we talk about the gift of prophecy. I know that I've learned a lot. Some of it's made me uncomfortable. When we come to the Bible and we read something that opposes what we've always thought to be true or flies in the face of things that we held dear to, what do we do? If we come to the Bible and we say, well, I read here that God is this way or that way, but I just don't think that could be true. It must be another way. And we force the Bible to say something that we think it should say, then we have called God a liar. And we have denied the truth of God, and that is sin. You, oh man, who do you think that you are? Who do I think that I am? To come with my presuppositions and my, my, my beginning and my foundational understandings that were wrong from the get-go. And to project them onto the Bible and tell God that he was wrong. That it shouldn't have been that way. It can't be that way. Surely it's not that way. You change. I change. The Bible does not change. If we come to a truth that opposes us, we bow down. We submit. We change, even if it's difficult. Amen? Amen? All right, with that being said, let's get into the gift of prophecy. My title for today is because every sermon and every thought in your head, every time you go to the Bible and every time you start reading, it begins with Christ, it's centered on Christ, and it ends with Christ. Because we know that Christ is all. 
Every time, every, every verse that you read in some way, shape, form, or fashion points to and is about Jesus Christ. If you can't find Jesus in it, then you're not looking right. If you can't see where it goes towards Christ, then you're not following in the right direction. You've got to go to the text and you've got to find Jesus. So today's title is Christ, the Word of God, and the Gift of Prophecy. Christ, the Word of God, and the Gift of Prophecy. Now, there's a lot of information packed into this one little sheet right here, and there is no way that I'm going to get through all of it. So I've got a few copies here. I gauged it off of the ones that I printed last time. I only printed out 25 because there wasn't that many that grabbed it up last time. So if you want one and, and these go out quicker than you can get one, let me know, and I'll print you one up. I've got a copier in my office, okay? So today we're going to be looking, obviously we've been in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at 7 and 11, and then we're just going to go all over the Bible, okay? Uh, Deuteronomy 18 is going to be a key text, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, John 5, 39 through 40, Luke 24 through 27, these will be on your screen and they are right now. So if you want to write these down, that's fine. In your bulletin, there's a place to take notes, you can take notes. This is really deep stuff. I could, I could preach and teach on this for about 15 hours and we wouldn't even scratch the surface. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to show you three things today. I'm going to go to the Old Testament. I want to show you what prophecy was like in the Old Testament. I want to show you truths about prophets and prophecy in the Old Testament so we can understand the difference, if there is one, between Old Testament prophet and prophecy versus New Testament prophets and prophecy. Okay, And that will tell us what we need to believe about today. Is there a distinction between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy? And how should we feel about that and how should we employ that and then the last thing I want you to do is I, I, what I want to do is I want to show you how the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets find their completion and their perfection in Jesus Christ okay you ready to go you ready come on this is good stuff we're going to learn about Jesus today all right hey y'all like yeah should have let Janice preach <laughs> somebody called Janice all right, so Ephesians 4, 7 and 11, we're going we're gonna to look there. This is just kind of a, a foundational verse here, and we're just going to look, and we're going to remind ourselves what the Bible says here. In verse 7, it says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It says that it was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, we understand that Jesus Christ was the apostle. He was the prophet, the evangelist. He was the good shepherd, and he is the teacher. He is the only good teacher. And so at the end of the day, we understand that we are giving gifts out of the measure of Christ's giftings, and he gifts us with exactly what we need because his gifting is perfect. And so we understand that Jesus Christ is the one who gave these gifts for the equipping of his church. Let's start back in 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. 
by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, this is what it is to do when we work all of these giftings together in unity like Jesus Christ himself has said that he gave the gifts to do. I don't know why it's so hard sometimes. Jesus Christ gave all of these gifts to do a certain thing. And we're not to be tossed around and, and bobbing up. Well, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I think I'm going to dabble in this thing because I'm not sure. No. You see, when all the giftings are working together and all of these, all of these uh, body parts and members are working together, then we call sin, sin. We preach the word of God. We hold each other accountable. We reach the world. We do all of these things in love, in obedience, and it does something. You see, we're not supposed to be tossed around and just wandering, wandering around like aimless little children. Rather, it says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body, okay, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working and properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So as we see the unification of the fivefold ministry, and I think under this fivefold ministry uh, fall a number of gifts. When we see the whole body working together, what you will see then is that the body actually grows in itself, and we help each other to grow. It's not put on one member; it's not put on another member, like it is so many times in so many churches. I talk to pastors who are absolutely burned slam out because their congregation expects them to do it all praise God you guys aren't like that I went to a, a conference one time and Wesley was there with us we saw pastors who was ready to put the gun to their head and pull the trigger and I'm not even kidding as a matter of fact that year they were celebrating an absolute celebration that only eight people only eight pastors in that denomination had committed suicide that year because it was nine the year before and it was down one number you see, when, when the body's out of joint, when an arm has been severed, when a leg has been severed, when your eyes are gone, and you can talk to Michael about this, it makes everything harder. Ask his wife, and I hope you don't mind me sharing, has it been harder on you? It has. Now, she's, she's coming along, man. She is, she is picking up, where, and, and, and she is being one with him and helping him, and I watch him, and I pray for these guys. But absolutely, Michael, he's, man, he's struggling, right? Michael, it's, it's tough, isn't it? He, but the Lord is carrying him through. But, but this, is, this is what we're to pray for these guys about because right now, man, she's fighting. She's having to help him. Now, he's learning. He's learning, but he's, she's having to help him, right? When, when one part of the relationship, when one member of the body, when one part of the body is hurt, then it puts weight on the other parts of the body, and they have to carry more. I want to tell you right now that it is not the pastor's job. It is not the elder's job. It is not the, all the leader's job to do all of the work in the church, but it is to be spread out among the people, and the body is to grow itself up. Now, let me tell you something. There are pastors who put this on themselves because they refuse to empower anybody. They refuse to share responsibility. They refuse to delegate responsibility. And so they're crying because they have to do everything, but they won't let anybody else do anything. This is where the five-fold leadership comes in, and you say, look, I can't do all of this by myself. As a matter of fact, I'm not gifted to do some of those things. There are those of you in here who are gifted as as prophetically gifted, you're gifted as evangelists, you're gifted as teachers, you're gifted as shepherds. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that I'm not the best shepherd in the world. 
All of you know that. The new ones don't. I'm sorry. Please come back. I'm getting better, right? But I'm, that's not my strongest gifting. Uh, you won't find me beating down the doors of the hospitals. It's just I have to work to do it. But praise be to God that Hambone Camp is here in this church. Because he's my right hand. Right? I'm his left. Preaching and teaching is not his strongest suit. It's more my gifting. But he will put me to shame on the pastoring side any day of the week. Together we make almost half a man. <laughs> right? Right? We need everybody as part of the body so that we can do what we call to have been doing. Now, we've laid a foundation. We've looked at some of that stuff. We kind of reiterated. I want you to look at the Old Testament prophets uh, and what they did. Now, I'm going to move fairly quickly through this because this will be already established in your minds. This is what youth most, I don't want to say you, but this is what most people think of. It's the only thing people think of when, they, when you hear the word prophet, okay? So the Old Testament prophets spoke the very word of God. They spoke of Christ. They spoke the very words of God. They spoke of Christ. True Old Testament prophets were sent by God and never told a lie and was not wrong. You see, in the Old Testament, the prophet himself would be tested, but once he was established, it would never be his message would never be tested. As a matter of fact, once a prophet was established as a true prophet, when he spoke, he wasn't even just speaking general messages, he was speaking the very words of God. So, and I've got all of these scriptures down here. You can look at them. I think I've put them up here too. Ezekiel 13, 6, uh, it speaks of if they tell a lie, then they are not a true prophet. They are a false prophet. True Old Testament prophets spoke the very words of God, not just general messages. True Old Testament prophets often used the first person when speaking of God. I want to show you that real quickly in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5. And like I said, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I think we would all agree uh, on this right here. So in Isaiah 45, 5, Isaiah himself is the one speaking, and that's whose voice is being recorded in the book. But listen to what it says as Isaiah is speaking. He says, he says in, in verse 5, I am the Lord, there is no other. Now, do you think that Isaiah was saying, I am the Lord, me, Isaiah? Have you ever even thought about this before? You see, the Old Testament prophets, they didn't speak uh, about God. Sometimes they did, but, but most of the time they didn't speak about God. They spoke for God. Does that make sense? And so prophets today, we've got to ask, do they do that? And if they do, does that office really exist? Because if someone speaks for God and they speak the words of God, we need to write that down because it's on par with the Scriptures. But we wouldn't say that. We, as a matter of fact, say all men are liars and it's tested by the truth of God. May every man be a liar and may God be true, Right? And so every word out of your mouth and out of mine, we're going to get to this, I'm jumping ahead, is to be tested by the word of God, the apostles and the Old Testament prophets. So we see them speaking in the first person when speaking for God because they are actually speaking out the words of God as if God were speaking himself, right? Amen? We agree on that? And so true Old Testament prophets also were evaluated, but once established, their message Never was. 1 Samuel 3, 19 and 9, 6. You go look at that. I think we agree. Listen to this. Now, we'll read this one too because we're going to go ahead and, and look at this because we're going to go a little bit deeper in this text of Scripture. If you want, you can write this down. Deuteronomy chapter 18, 
verses 15 through 20. Uh, right in this very moment, we're going to look at Deuteronomy uh, 18, uh, only, fi- only chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verse 20. False Old Testament prophets. Now, we've talked about the true Old Testament prophets. There's a lot more that could be said, but we say they are sent by God. They are never wrong. They spoke the very words of God, even spoke in first person, and they were evaluated. But once established, their their message was never evaluated again. When that prophet spoke, you did what he said or you what? Disobeyed. If you disobeyed what that man said, you disobeyed God. Right? Because he spoke the very words of God. Well, a false Old Testament prophet, uh, they were subjected to death if they presumed to speak for the Lord but spoke for a false God. Deuteronomy 18.20 says this. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. We should take prophecy today very seriously because of what is said about prophets in the Old Testament. We should absolutely take it very seriously. But does that role shift in the New Testament? Does it shift? And We're going to look at that right here in just a second. I want to show you one other thing, that all of the Old Testament prophets spoke of Christ. Now, they had to speak the truth. It, it could not be a lie or they were false prophets. And if they were false prophets, they were subject to death if they spoke in a certain way. So all of what they said were true. They spoke the very words of God. And everything that they said was founded on, pointed to, and foreshadowed Jesus Christ. You say, Brandon, you're reading too much into it. You say, you care too much about Jesus. I don't know if that's possible. And I have been accused of reading too much into the Old Testament text. But let me show you why I am so fast and so quick and so curious and so inquisitive and so investigative to see where Jesus is in the Old Testament. I've had people tell me, you can't read that into that text. That's eisegesis. Well, I would suggest to you that Jesus Christ did it, and it's good enough for him, then it's good enough for me. All right? I want to flip over to two scriptures that should put that to rest, okay? I don't mean to be confident, but I'm confident about this. John chapter 5, verse 39, write these down. These are very important. Type them in on your phone. I won't call you out for texting in church, okay? Text them to yourself. You'll have it. John chapter 5, verse 39, these are super important scriptures because this helps you to understand how to read the entire Old Testament. You know, you can go to, I have people all the time tell me, they go to the Old Testament and say, I just can't understand this. This is like, this is like Spanish to me or Chinese to me. I just don't get it. What lens are you reading through? Okay? Listen to what he says to the, uh, to the Pharisees. Now, these Pharisees, they had studied and studied and studied and studied and studied and studied and studied. As a matter of fact, many of them that were thought to believe, and very, very surely, I'm sure, is that they could actually repeat and quote whole books of the Old Testament. So they would go and they would be able to uh, verbatim be able to quote Deuteronomy. Or numbers. This is how serious they were about the scriptures. These were scribes. These were Pharisees. They knew the scriptures inside and out. But Jesus Christ switches it up. He hits another gear. He takes it to another level. He says, yeah, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He says, you're searching the Bible. Now, they were just reading the Bible here. They were reading the Bible. 
He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. How many of you would have said, well, yeah. Yeah, you should search the scriptures because in them they have eternal life. Why is Jesus so down on them? Well, let me tell you something right now, friend. And I'll speak right to the religious. We've got some very religious people in here. They like it that I've got half a suit on today. He looks like a real preacher. Almost. I left my jacket down there. And my tie. I'm sorry. Let me button this top one. Okay? That's top of me. That's why I took my jacket off. I was like, great are you, Lord. I take my jacket off. I'm like, yes. Woo! Good Lord. Hey, I'm stretching it out, right? Get down with your best. All right? So let me speak to the religious for just a minute. I don't care how much you know. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care how many times you've read through the Bible. I don't care how much you can quote. I don't care how much you can, you can absolutely spit back at me and how well and eloquently you can argue with me. I don't care how if you can beat me down because you know more than I do. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to bust hell wide open. Amen. Education and study will never, and I think I read this on Facebook from a brother of mine, education and study will never, ever replace a revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Amen. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what. You give me a brand new baby Christian who walks like a giraffe, a newborn baby giraffe, right? But they're ready to go and they've met the real Jesus over a 50-year Christian who can quote the Bible any day. Amen? Any day. And now what are we talking about? We're talking about the Holy Spirit speaking. Right? That's when life comes in and life happens. You give me a live person who is ready to be trained over a dead person who's armed to the teeth. He can't swing his sword. He's dead. All right, so let's move on. Let's listen. Oh, I didn't even, man, I'm I'm getting excited. I didn't even finish. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they who bear witness about me. It is they who, you go to the Bible and you read and read and read and read and read. If you don't see Jesus, you've not seen anything. If you can't find Christ, you've not found anything. I'll tell you this right now. If I stand up here and I preach a message and I don't tell you about Jesus, please tell me to go home. If I stand up here and I preach all day long with all kind of eloquent words and charismatic speech and I'm all over the stage and you're laughing, but I forget to start with Jesus, center on Jesus, and end on Jesus. Start looking for another man. Amen? It's all about Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus or it's about nothing. Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. If it ain't Jesus, I don't want it. I don't want it. Now, We see that the Old Testament is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Christ. But the Old Testament prophets, they spoke the very words of God. And if they spoke a lie, then they were not true prophets. But they were to be killed. Okay? So Old Testament prophets spoke the very word of God. They were authoritative with God's divine authority. Okay? Now, what we must ask is, do the New Testament prophets carry the same exact type of 
definition or designation or uh, would we define them in the same way? Are they exactly like the Old Testament prophets? And, and if so, then what do we do? If not, what do we do? How are we to understand New Testament prophets? And if I took a survey, I just wonder how many of you always thought that a New Testament prophet was just exactly like an Old Testament prophet? I, I think I would have, you know, for the longest time, right? And some of you may be even now being like, oh, Lord, here he goes. Here comes the heresy. Well, let me just show you the scripture. Because I believe that there's absolutely a distinction between Old Testament prophets and prophecy and New Testament prophets and prophecy. Let's go to the scriptures and look. The New Testament prophets heard from God and gave guidance they pointed to Christ. Now, remember the heading of the other. The Old Testament prophets spoke the very word of God. They spoke of Christ. The New Testament prophets heard from God and gave guidance they pointed to Christ. So let me ask you this. Has New Testament prophecy ceased? Has it stopped? Because we would say is, is that if we're saying that a prophet and the prophecy uh, of the New Testament is on par with the Old Testament prophets and is divinely authoritative, then we would have to say it has to have ceased. Because if the prophetic gifting is still in service like it was in the Old Testament, then the Bible would still be being written. Right? But we know that this is not being written anymore. The canon is closed, and there is to be nothing added to this word. Now, so what should we understand then? And let me give you one verse, and you can just write it down. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because uh, I've already talked to you about this at length in that first sermon I did. But for those of you who are new or did not get this, remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Man, I wish I had all day long. We could just go and go and go and go. But listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, now this is pertaining to the question of has prophecy ceased? Has it ended? Okay. Well, let's just ask the Bible. It says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. Uh, as for tongues, they will cease. When? As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So when the perfect comes, we know that knowledge, prophecy, tongues, all this will be gone. It will not be needed anymore because right now we see partially, but then we will see in full. Right now we're partially seen, and then we will be seen in full. But when is this? When will it cease? And the whole, the whole verse hinges on the word, when the perfect comes. Now, some have suggested this is the closed canon. I don't think that it holds a lot of water because uh, of various arguments. And if you want to know more about that, we can talk some more after the service. But when the perfect comes, is Jesus Christ in the second coming. When everything is, is absolutely done away with, we're judged, everything is brought to light, everything is examined, everything that's hidden is, un, is uncovered, uh, everything that was unseen now is seen, and we go through the judgment for whatever good we We've done and for whatever bad we've done the new heavens and the new earth the perfect when it's finally all done with and we are one with jesus christ after the resurrection now has that happened yet has it happened yet come on that's an easy question has it happened yet Come on, give me a little feedback here. No, it hasn't. So I would have to say that these gifts are still in operation. So then we find in the New Testament 
I believe, a category of prophecy that must be distinct from that of the old. Now, this is not a big deal. Everybody wants to say, there's no prophecy anymore. But I think it's because they misunderstand what prophecy is in the New Testament. I'm going to roll through this fairly quickly, but I want to give you some evidence here. And if you want this, then let me know. There's a bunch of scriptural evidence here. So we find in the New Testament a new category of prophecy that must be distinct from that of the old. Because, for these reasons and more, but for these at least. New Testament prophets and prophecies are disobeyed by Paul. Did you know that? In Acts, I'll read this one to you. In Acts chapter 21, you can turn there with me if you would like. But in Acts chapter 21, listen to what it says. It says here, it says, And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound it. Uh, on his own feet and his hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. He said, when you go to Jerusalem, if you go, then you are going to get bound. And he said, please don't go. On down there, it says, uh, what are, it, says then, it says, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Did Paul go to Jerusalem? Yes, he did. He went to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, on before that, in uh, 21 verse 4, it says, And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. So they had this, this, this revelation, this prophetic word that came by the Holy Spirit. And they had heard from the Lord of what was going to happen to Paul. And they said, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. We've heard from the Lord. Don't go. But what did Paul do? He went. How do we explain this? What are we to say to these things? Let's go on. You see, the New Testament prophets and prophecies were disobeyed by Paul in Acts chapter 21. New Testament prophets were wrong at times, but not condemned because of it. Now, everything that I've written here on the New Testament prophets, I have banked off of or paralleled with the truths I gave you on the Old Testament prophets. So in the Old Testament, prophets spoke the very words of God and not just the general message. They were never wrong. They were never wrong. And if they were wrong and they spoke for another God, they would die. But here we find uh, these prophets in the New Testament who were hearing from the Lord. Not only did Paul disobey them, which in the Old Testament, what was it if you disobeyed the words of a prophet? What was it? It was disobedience of God. So if Paul here would have, if these would have been Old Testament prophets and he would have disobeyed, he would have been disobeying a direct order from God. But as a matter of fact, we know that Paul didn't disobey because he had to go to Jerusalem. And what happened after that served God's purposes and was used by God and was the planned intent the whole time. So what happened? What are we to think about these prophets that gave him wrong information but was generally right? Here is the key. You see, New Testament prophets and prophecies were disobeyed by Paul. And New Testament prophets were wrong at times but not condemned. We see that Paul still interacts with this guy. He still uh, has a relationship with this guy. They still listen to him at other times in the scriptures. And he's partially right on this prophecy. Are you guys with me so far? Are you learning new stuff today? I want you to know something right here. I think that you've always and I've always had one category for prophet. 
And that is they spoke the very words of God. They could never be wrong. If they were, they were to be killed. And this was the, how you obey. So it makes a, a, com, a, a prophet now, right, or a contemporary prophet now, somebody who says they're a prophet now or has pro- prophetic gifting, it would make us look at them and say, hmm, I don't think you carry that same authority. And if you say you do, I don't know how to, I don't know how to take you. What are you, what are you saying? What are you telling? Is this the very words? What are you talking about? And so we throw it all away. But here we see we're forced by the Bible. Now, if you think that I'm teaching and preaching this out of my own will and out of my own volition, out of my own ideas, then you come and see me because I'm telling you right now, I'm reading the Bible, baby, okay? This is the Bible. And what we see is, is that Paul received a word from a prophet in the New Testament telling him to do something, but he disobeyed it. And that prophet, while some of what he said came true, parts of it were not true. But he wasn't condemned. You see, New Testament prophets were subject to the original apostles. New Testament prophets were not speaking for God, but about God. Now, there's a small hairline seem right there what i mean by that is they're not speaking the very words of god they may still be speaking for god but what i mean is they are not speaking god's words that they have divine authority when they speak about or for god it is something that has been revealed to them but then sifted through their gifting and through their own human personalities their human flaws much like the gifting of preaching and teaching which I think is a great evidence of how we are to, are to take prophecy. So, New Testament prophets were subject to the original apostles. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 37 and 38, listen to what Paul says. He says, or was it from you that the word of God came? Now, he's speaking to these prophets here. He speak, and if you want to know a lot about the, pro, the prophetic ministry, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 really speak a lot to this ministry and how it's to be done, okay? But it says, or was it from you that the word of God came? So what, he, and this is a rhetorical question. When Paul is talking to New Testament prophets and he says, did the word of God come from you? And he's, he's basically answering, it's, it's, it's a rhetorical question. He says, no. The word of God didn't come from you. It came from the Old Testament prophets and the apostles themselves. Okay, if we had time, I could show you how I believe, and I think it's very clear in the scriptures, that the apostle is the one who picked up the Old Testament prophet office, and it carried over into the apostle, and the, prop, the prophetic ministry in the New Testament shifted. Okay? Now, there's various reasons why that happened. We won't get into that today. But he says, or was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? If any, now listen to this. If anyone, this absolutely has to put the New Testament prophetic gifting into a new category, and you are forced by the Bible, and I am forced by the Bible to form now a new category of thinking about the prophetic ministry. We have to because of what this says. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. He says everything must line up with the word of God. 
It's not, he's saying, you're not speaking the word of God. You have a new gifting. This is a, a new understanding of what the prophetic gifting is now. You're not speaking the very words of God, but what comes out of your mouth must be tested by the word of God. Am I making ground with you? You understand what I'm saying? Because what happens now is, is that when, a, when someone is gifted, a gifted prophet, they are not speaking the very word of God, but they are speaking what has been revealed to them, and it must line up then with the word of God. So how then should we think about this uh, New Testament gift of prophecy? The question comes then, since the New Testament prophets clearly do not carry the same authority as the Old Testament prophets, should we deny or neglect the gift of prophecy? Now, I want to know where I am. I really care about how much you're learning and how much you're understanding. Do you get the difference that the Bible says that there is between Old Testament prophets and prophecies and New Testament prophets and prophecies? Do you get it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes? Yes? If you need more, then come after. I'll, I'll help you, okay? But there is a distinction. And what we see is, is that when I say that he was uh, off a little bit in his uh, prophecy, I'll tell you why I think that is and why we should not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? We should still look and allow God to use this gift of prophecy in the church today. All right, so... Should we, since the New Testament prophets clearly did not carry the same authority as the Old Testament prophets, prophets, should we deny or neglect the gift of prophecy? I would say that the Bible very clearly clearly teaches that we cannot do that. Uh, I would say absolutely not. This gift was given by Christ for the building up of the church into him who is the head. Ephesians 4, we've already looked at that. New Testament prophecy is similar to teaching and preaching in the human aspect of it. Now, I want to spend just a second right here. The New Testament gift of prophecy is a gifting uh, by which a man or a woman, I believe that the Bible teaches this too, can have the gift of prophecy, would receive a type of revelation from the Lord. Now, this could be very different, okay? It could be a vision, it could be a word, it could be in a still small voice, it could be a myriad of things. We see it all types of ways in the scriptures. The spirit could just speak or, or it could be this type of movement inside and they say, I feel like the Lord is telling me this. I feel like the Lord is saying this. And, and what we see is the Holy Spirit is speaking to them and as they receive this word, they have to do three things at least. They have to receive the vision or whatever it is. They have to receive it. Number two, they have to interpret it. And number three, they have to apply it. Now, what does that absolutely sound like to you? Does it sound like what I do? Now, I don't consider myself a prophet, but the preacher and the teacher must also do the same thing. Let me ask you this. Because of prophecy may be a little inaccurate, because of prophecy, a prophetic word may be off in an area or two. You know, if it kept being off by the same guy, you would probably stop listening to that guy. But it, because it could it could hold or could project some type of fallacy or some type of wrong understanding. Should you throw the whole thing out? Should you throw the whole ministry out? Well, let me ask you, have you ever heard any wrong teaching? Have you ever heard any wrong preaching? Have you ever heard somebody say something that was just, just didn't line up with the scriptures? Well, did you stop listening to all preaching and teaching? You see, the pastor, the preacher, he has, to, he has to receive the Word of God. He has to interpret the Word of God, and he has to present the Word of God. All of those areas are places that 
it's a possibility that he may have seen it a little bit wrong. As a matter of fact, you know, if you get a vision, you might try to write it down really fast. I've pulled over on the side of the road and felt like the Lord was just speaking to me. So I pulled over on the side of the road, and I'm sitting there writing. I'm writing, writing what the, what the Lord wants to say to me, right? And I'm writing it all down. Sometimes I go back to it, and I look, and I was like, what in the world was I thinking? But sometimes I can get it down. You know what? I might miss a line or two. And if you look at this prophecy that was given to Paul, it was right. But see, he said that he would be bound by the Jews, but it wasn't the Jews that bound him. It was the Romans. He said he would be delivered to the Gentiles, but he wasn't delivered to the Gentiles. He was delivered to the Roman courts. But you say, well, why would, why would he have told him that? Well, I just want, now this is conjecture here, okay? This is absolutely me just saying what might have happened. Well, I want you to think, if, if this was a prophet and he was receiving a word from the Lord, he had to have seen it. He just saw it wrongly. He knew that they, he was going to get bound. He knew that he was going to get delivered. He knew that there was stuff that's going to happen to him when he got to Jerusalem. And so if you was to receive a word about a friend or a loved one that said, they're going to be bound when they get to Jerusalem. They're going to be bound when they, if you go on this trip, you're going to wreck and you're going to die. And you're going to get hit by a blue pickup truck. I think some prophets try to get too, too, too specific, right? You're going to get hit by a blue pickup truck on Interstate 26. Don't go. Don't go. And you say, you crazy. You nut job. <laughs> you go anyway. And you get hit by a red car on Highway 14. Right? I mean, what he heard a word from the Lord. He was going to go and he was going to, he was going to get bound up. He was going to be given over. Wouldn't you say, don't go, don't go. But what he didn't realize is, just like Peter, when Peter looked at Christ and he said, don't go, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I've got to go. See, Paul could have said, you're hearing right, but I've got to go. Don't tell me not to do what God's called me to do in my life. I've got to go. Yes, I will get persecuted in Jerusalem. Yes, it will be painful, but I've got to go. I've got to go. So we can't throw out everything. You see, uh, we cannot throw it out. And listen to this. In uh, New Testament prophecies are not to be despised. Listen, I've got to tell you this scripture right here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we've got to take this stuff seriously. Listen to what he says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Bible drill. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. He says, rejoice always. Now, this is Paul, same author in 1 Corinthians and in Romans. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Listen, if you're having any doubts of whether this is true or not, listen to this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. Paul would have never said, test everything, if it was still like it was in the Old Testament. Because a prophetic word given by an Old Testament prophet was not to be tested. It was the word of God. And you do it or you die. Here he's saying, don't despise prophecy. Test it. You have to formulate another category. You have to. And so do I, whether you like it. Or not. You make the decision. Will you cave to the word or will you rise up in arms? Now, I'll close with this and the band can come on up. We should not throw out prophecy. We may not understand it. 
We may have to be really slow with it. We've got to be cautious with that. But you're slow with teaching. You're slow with preaching. You're cautious of preaching. You better be anyway. Paul himself says, go back behind me and check. The Bereans were more noble than the rest because of the way that they tested him and the way that they, they, they looked into the scriptures, right? Because they studied the scriptures diligently. This is where we will end is that the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets both find their completion and perfection in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets both find their completion in Jesus Christ. Let's take these lines down just a little bit right here. I just want to tell you about Jesus, and I just want you to think about what I'm saying. Whether it be prophetic gifting, whether it be apostolate gifting, whether it be a teaching gift or an evangelistic gift or a shepherding gift, they all must center on Christ and they all must be done out of love. We are not despise or reject speaking in tongues even or the gift of prophecy, but we are to test everything to see where does it point. I want to read you, uh, I want to go back to Deuteronomy and this is where we'll close. In Deuteronomy 18, we'll read the first part of that scripture that I was talking to you a little bit about earlier. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Listen to this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your brothers, it is to him that you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, speaking to Moses, the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for you a prophet. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, like Moses, from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name. I myself will require it of him. You see, Jesus Christ is the prophet. Jesus Christ was not only was not only a speaker of the word of God, but he was the word of God in the flesh. You see, anything that is taught from the stage, any prophetic word that is uttered to you, any, any movement of the spirit inside of you, it must glorify Christ. How many of you have heard a word from the Lord before you say, I just don't know, Brad, I just don't know. I don't know if this... This, do you really think that prophecy still exists today? Let me ask you again like I asked you last week. How many of you have ever heard a word from the Lord? How many of you have ever felt moved by the Holy Spirit to tell somebody something, to pray for somebody, to pick up the phone and call somebody? How many of you ever have ever spoke to the Lord as if he was speaking to you? How many of you? Why then is it so hard to believe that the Lord would still speak to his people? Why? And why would we deny this ministry, this gift to, to work itself in it? Because we're scared? Yes. But we do not back down because we're scared. You say, don't preach against sin. The people won't come. I'm scared of, of losing people. Don't preach against uh, this and don't preach against that because they might not like it. I'm scared. Don't let, don't let somebody speak in a tongue because I'm scared. Don't let, don't, let's, let's, let's put part of the Bible to the side because I'm scared. Never! The Bible is the Word of God. 
and we stand on the Word of God. We're built on the Word of God. We test everything by the Word of God. And if the Word of God says it, I'm going to preach it, and I'm going to live it, and I'm going to do it. Are you with me? If I've not convinced you by the Word of God, if you find something against me, if you find the scripture that denies me, then you hold it against me and you come and you tell me I was wrong. If you want to come and tell me that it doesn't exist today, that's fine. Bring the Bible. I would love to see it. If you show, I, This changed my mind. I, when I was talking to you earlier about going to the scriptures and putting your own judgments on the scriptures and forcing it to say what you think it should say, I was talking to you about me because I've been scared of the prophetic. This boy right here is prophetic. You don't, if you don't believe any word I've said, you watch this guy right here. And I'll go ahead and admit to you now, I am not a perfect man. I get scared. Sometimes I don't like to talk about money. I, it scares me when someone, and they do. People come to me sometimes and they say, I've got a word for you. I'm like, oh Lord, here we go. But you know, I don't want to cut Christ's hand off. I take that word, and I test it by the scriptures like I would take a, take a sermon, and I test the sermons. And I've, I've heard terrible sermons, terrible sermons. I test them by the word of God. And what lasts through the fire, I'll take, and I'll chew on it. I'll get nourished by it. But what perishes through the fire of the flames... I discard as dross, waste, dust, nothing because it doesn't glorify Christ. People of God, you've got, to, you've got to make a decision like I had to make a decision. I didn't understand this. I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. A lot of people think that I know everything about the Bible. You know, they got a question. They come to me, I know you're the guy to ask about this. And I'm like, I have no idea. Came to the Word of God. And it smacked me in the mouth. And it said, you don't believe rightly. Change. Ooh, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. I don't want to change. What I believe is right. What I say is right. You think that, you know, you say, well, I believe what I believe. You know this whole King James thing? Some of y'all just said, oh, Lord, we got to get your bag, honey. Does that glorify Christ? I want to be known for a translation. I be known for Jesus. I don't want to be known for prophecy. I don't want to be known for tongues. I don't want to be known to be a great. I want to be known for Jesus. If there's nothing said of me when I leave here, don't you go, oh, he's a great teacher. He's No, Jesus is a great teacher. If there's anything good in me, it came from him. If I said anything good, it was him. I'll tell you right now, we'll sit down, I'll tell you stories. I was, I, man, I, oh man, wicked to the core. If there's anything good here, it's Jesus. If there's any good prophetic word in your mouth, it's Jesus. If there's any good tongue come out, it's Jesus. If there's any good help come out, it's Jesus. I don't want to be known for nothing but Jesus. Oh, that church over there, no, Jesus. Are you God or will you allow God to be God? go to the Bible and you find something in there you don't like gifts of the spirit 
Sovereignty of God. Predestination. Women in ministry. Oh, Lord. Giving. The tither. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Hey, we go to the Bible. When it cuts us, we don't knock the surgeon's hand away. We say, do your work, O Lord. Do your work, O Lord. You see, in Hebrews 1, let's all stand to our feet. Last scripture I'll read today. We've just got to bathe it in the scriptures. And, and I want to clarify one thing. I don't say that all prophets are wrong in what they say these days. I'm just saying that they are treated differently and they are capable of being wrong. Now, if one is continually wrong, we need to say, that's probably not your gift. Do something else. But if someone comes to you with a prophetic word and half of it rings true, then maybe they just heard wrong or maybe they didn't see quite right or maybe they interpreted it wrong or maybe they, maybe they gave it to you wrongly. But as the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, don't despise prophecy, but just test it. Let's be a whole body. And speaking of the great prophet, the perfect prophet, the perfect prophet perfected prophecy. (laughs) Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Paul says, I wish that all of you spoke in tongues. He says, earnestly desire the gifts, especially the gifts of prophecy. And we're going to do away with it? No. This costs me people. I'll lose people and gain Christ any day. Amen. Let us be one body. Let us point to Christ with all members in every way, in every season, in every time. Starts with Christ centers on Christ and it ends in Christ he is the fulfillment of everything as he said to the disciples as they were walking along the road he began with Moses and all the prophets and he taught what the scriptures said about him do you know Jesus do you obey the Bible is he your Lord Do you submit in everything that you do to the Word of God? His name is Jesus. Do you receive the Word? Do you test life by the Word? Do you gauge everything that you do and everything that you say and everything that you hear and everything that you feel and everything that you long for and everything that you desire? Is it found in Jesus Christ? Do you have longings outside of Him? Do you have words outside of Him? Do you have prayer outside of Him? Do you have relationships outside of Him? May they all go away and may Jesus Christ be left the only source 
the only key, the only interpretation, the only word, Jesus. Now is the time of decision to decide what you will do with the word that you have received. What will you do with the word that you have received? Do you feel like you may be gifted this way? Have you rejected and despised this gift and in doing despise the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Do you refuse to receive the word of God as absolutely authoritative? Submit today. Come. Respond to what God is doing. As we open up.